United States Marines, there are several general orders that every Marine must follow. General Order 4 states that a Marine must repeat the orders of a superior officer to the next Marine in line before performing the action himself, to ensure that everyone receives the orders. Christ commanded in Matthew 28:20 20, that we teach every believer the things that Christ has taught us, and Paul told Timothy to teach the truth to faithful men who would be able to teach others also. It is our hope that this podcast will inspire you to take what you know about the scripture and teach it to someone else. Hello and welcome to this episode of General Order 4. My name is Simeon Brazel and I am a missionary to Parramatta, Australia, which is just outside the Sydney area and currently on deputation raising support at the time of the recording here. And I am joined uh, by Pastor Brian Stewart from Bloomington, Indiana. Pastor, if you could quickly introduce yourself and then we'll talk about our families a little bit. Yes, uh, I'm Danielle Stewart's husband. Uh, been <laughs> married for 25 or 28 years now. I just made a mistake <laughs> that uh, might get me in trouble. But uh, been married 28 years at the time of the recording. Uh, the Lord has blessed us with uh, six children. Uh, two of them are married, and uh, both of the married children have uh, given us grandchildren. And so I have two daughter-in-laws and uh, two grandchildren as well. Uh, all three of my sons, the oldest children, are, have or are serving in the United States military, and uh, so we have a military family as well. And so we thank the Lord for our family, for uh, the opportunity to to minister together at Calvary Baptist Church in Bloomington, Indiana, where we've been uh, just over eight years now, and uh, just really enjoying serving God and serving the people of this community. Good, and uh, I'm, I am uh, married as well. My wife's name is Brittany, and we have three beautiful children, Eden, Knox, and Ivy, and uh, they are all three and under at the point of this recording here, and uh, we have one that's just two and a half months old, and we're excited about what the Lord's going to do uh, in and through our lives, and I wanted to quickly ask you uh, to introduce to us how it was that the Lord brought you to the point uh, of uh, the conviction that you have about discipling other people. Um, the way that really I was introduced to it was the, by necessity. Uh, I was already been a youth pastor and assistant pastor for about eight and a half years. And as God was calling me to take a pastorate uh, years ago, uh, the Lord really just as I was reading his word, reading the pastoral epistles over and over and over again, the, the overwhelming sense of responsibility of what this uh, responsibility and, and job is as a pastor began to overwhelm me and i realized that uh, i really didn't know how to do those things although i had followed my spiritual authority all the way through when god called me uh, i did what my spiritual authorities told me to do i did the training got the degrees that they suggested and and got the time as an assistant pastor youth pastor and yet I still lacked the ability to take an individual from wherever they were in their spiritual walk with the Lord to a deeper walk with him and I didn't know how to do that other than by preaching or, or just programs at the church. And so as I was pursuing God and begging him to 
helped me with that. He brought me back in touch with some uh, spiritual leaders from my past. Uh, in fact, one of the men that helped lead me to the Lord and some other friends that had, in the meantime, learned how to disciple people and, and learned how to use uh, the scriptures to actually edify the believer to the point of uh, maturity. They then uh, helped me with that, take me through that, and then for almost 18 years now, uh, I've been able to do that with others as well. And so uh, my passion in ministry is really just seeing each and indiv every individual believer conform to the image of Christ. And that really ought to be all of our, our end goal. And I think most people really do have that goal. If you're in the ministry or if you're a, a Christian who's been a Christian for any period of time, you know and you you have a heart, hopefully, um, to see people not just saved but conformed to the image of Christ. And obviously that's the goal that we have. I think so often most of us just don't know how to do it. Um, I know for me, uh, in my own story of how I kind of came around to this idea of uh, discipleship and discipling other believers, I, I grew up in church. I was in church my whole life. And I got saved at a very young age, and uh, but I, I never truly was actually discipled by any in particular individual. I had good parents; they raised me, they raised me right, and they taught me a lot of things about the Scripture, and that's good and that's necessary. Um, and I grew up in a good Christian home, I believe. And my parents were uh, really kind of baby Christians when I was a baby, so they grew up with me. But uh, so in that regard, the parents I had when I was little and the parents that I have now are like t totally different people. Uh, but. I didn't, I was never actually really taken aside by any particular person and discipled and brought along. So everything that I learned, I learned by osmosis through being in, the, uh, being in church and preaching the word of God and all that's good and necessary. Uh, but I never actually had anybody take me aside and, and walk me through the scripture. So my idea of discipleship was always um, an idea that you go to church. And by going to church and being a part of a Sunday school class or whatever organized way your church has of doing that, um, that was how you got discipled. And so even all the way through college, and I had this idea about discipleship all the way through college that it was a program or it was a class or it was um, a, some organized um curriculum or something like that, that I could work through and become discipled. Uh, but I never had in my heart and in my mind, this idea of personal one-on-one -on -one time and training. And that came to me, honestly, because I was, I was sitting in a meeting with a, a bunch of other pastors and uh, we were listening uh, to my pastor talk to them about shepherding the sheep. Uh, and so I was in a group of preachers, really. And uh, we often think that the, it's the preacher's job to do the discipling. And we can talk about that a little bit later. But um, and I was in a group of preachers and this idea of teaching and training people was really being was was being taught to us um, as preachers. And that is the obligation of a pastor, obviously. Uh, but that idea was being taught to us and the Lord really sp spoke to my heart about teaching people and discipling people. And I knew, you know, within my own heart that if I was going to teach and train other people, then, then I needed additional training that I needed taught. And the only thing I knew to do was go back to school. And so I went back to school and I got a master's degree and it did help me immensely, no doubt. Um, but it still wasn't discipleship. And I had in my heart this, I, this, this, this passion to teach other people, to train other people. And um, as a missionary, that's actually expected of me that I go to another country and I reach people with the gospel and I teach and I train those people and I, and I plant churches. Um, but that had never actually ever been done in my own life. And I, and I found that, that incongruity to be strange, that an expectation would be held of me that was different than other people. And so I walked out of that meeting um, thinking, I've got I've to get some additional training 
And, and honestly, I resisted the idea of training people because I don't see myself as a teacher. Uh, but we all know that preaching and teaching can oftentimes be one and the same and that the preacher ought to be a teacher. Um, so I, I knew that part of it, but I didn't see myself as a, as a, as a, someone who could be modeled after, if you will. Um, so, but I walked out of that meeting and, and behind the building where we had that meeting at our church has this, uh, fountain and the fountain is shaped like 12 big stones stacked on top of each other. And, uh, and that's supposed to, obviously it's supposed to represent those 12 stones that the children of Israel stacked when they crossed over Jordan. And the idea behind that was that the parents were supposed to teach the children, the things that God had done for the people of Israel. Right. And the, and the scripture actually says, um, that the children would ask what mean these stones. And I often thought to myself, that is such a silly thing because you know, are the kids really going to look at those stones and think they actually mean something, <laughs> you know? And, but if you actually, if, if you think about it now that I have a kid, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. does spark those questions. And she, you know, she sees something and she says, daddy, what's that? And I'm like, I don't know. It's just a stack of whatever, you know, but it is something different to her. And so she does ask those questions. And I got to thinking, as I sat back there and I looked at those stones, I pulled the, the scripture in Joshua and, um, the Lord really just smote my heart about that, that I can't teach people if I don't know myself, if I don't study for myself, if I don't figure it out myself and I didn't have anybody to mentor me or disciple me at the time. So, you know, I just, dug in scripture. And I found that all throughout scripture, you find this idea of one person training another. You've got Elijah training Elisha. You've got Paul training Timothy and all throughout scripture. So that's how my heart was kind of turned toward discipleship and really discipleship in a one-on-one kind of basis. I think it's kind of the same, kind of the same scenario for you, except you were already in ministry. Yes, sir. Yeah. So explain for me quickly, you were in the Marine Corps. Um, and explain for me quickly what uh, General Order 4 is and why we chose that as the title for this podcast. Certainly, uh, General Order 4, there's 11 General Orders in the United States Marine Corps that every recruit learns in basic training and is grilled about it, can be questioned on any one of them at any time through boot camp and then through their career. And the General Orders are really just standing orders to know how to stand your post, to how to how to conduct yourself when you have a uh, standing guard somewhere. And General Order 4 states this, it says to repeat all calls from post more distant from the guardhouse than my own. And so any call that comes out uh, from the guardhouse or a post that is more distant from the guardhouse, I am to pass those on either way. And so the whole idea here is that as a standing order, as a United States Marine standing guard, that I have a responsibility to be able to take the calls and the orders that are given to me, and I pass those along to the next person so that they can then pass it along so that nobody is left out of the chain, that all of the Marines that are on guard at that time will get all of the information going in both directions. So it's coming and going, and it's my responsibility to repeat what the call is exactly without changing it, without adjusting it. And so what a wonderful picture for us that from our command center uh, in heaven that you and I are to take all of the things that the Lord has taught us and we're to pass that along to, to the next person that God gives us to lead to him to then 
uh, encourage them to be baptized and then teach them to observe whatsoever God has commanded us. And so that background with the Marine Corps uh, just kind of stuck out as uh, an opportunity here to kind of illustrate and and give us maybe a unique name for the podcast. And our, 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 anybody who might be listening to this who's in any branch of the military may disagree with me here, but growing up as a, a, a normal citizen, not a member of the military, I didn't have anybody in my direct family that was in the military. Uh, my idea about the Marines was always that they were the most structured, the most disciplined group of people. And I think that was what they were trying to get across to everybody. Um, and the, <laughs> and again, the other branches of the military may disagree, but, um, the these general standing orders are something that has to, has to be followed by every single Marine, regardless of status, regardless of who they are. Um, the superior officer, when he issues an order, am I right in saying that every single person below him and even maybe even above him has to repeat the order that he is given? Is that correct? Well, yes, the orders are to be uh, given out uh, by the superiors to the the uh, the junior marines and the junior marines are to pass it along to those that are that are uh, on post near them. Also, can I say this that all of the different branches have something similar to the general orders. They may not be called that, and sometimes the numbers are different. Mm-hmm. But the main thought is expressed in in all of our branches of service, uh, and uh, we just want to say uh, we do appreciate all of our military personnel of course who are serving around the world so of course yes those veterans as well and really pretty much every every military that's at least somewhat organized in the world has something like this an organized way of dissipating orders and um, the lord jesus christ said himself let all things be done decently and in order and uh, he gave us an order a specific way that things ought to be done Um, and general order four in the marine corps just kind of describes what that is in, in that the superior officer in regards to scripture of course is christ himself um, and he's, he's the one whom, whom we take our orders from and we, should, we, we shouldn't just order taking our orders from, but also, but also take orders and dissipating that into the lives and, and ministries of other people. Uh, and we'll talk at a later date about what ministry is, um, because you and I have a, have a different idea about what ministry is than possibly, uh, many other people to have an idea about what ministry is. But, um, in Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20, we get the first recorded instance of what we call the great commission. Some call it the great commandment. I think either, either one is a good word for it. Um, yeah. but, the Great Commission in verse, in verse number 18 of Matthew 28 starts, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you alway, even unto the end of the world. And in this first command, we kind of we kind of get the overarching idea of what exactly the Great Commission is. And there's five instances in Scripture of the Great Commission, and each one of them kind of gives us a different piece of it, and they co- they complement one another and give us a fuller picture of what he was wanting us to do. But in Matthew, I think it kind of gives us the clearest roadmap of exactly what it is that his goal is in the world. Um, and he starts by saying, obviously, all power is given unto me, not all power is given unto you. So the power comes from Christ, and the command's coming from Christ. And and then at the end of verse 20, he says, I'm with you always. So uh, if we're doing what he's asked us to do and, and we're doing it in his power, it's not in and of our own, right? Um, Certainly. 
But then in verse number 19, he gives us what we all think of as the Great Commission, and that's the go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. He's talking about baptizing people, uh, and I think it's very easy to defend from Scripture that we don't baptize people who aren't saved. So he's obviously talking about when he says teach all nations, he's talking about uh, giving the gospel, right? Would you agree with me? Yes, sir. Okay. So then in verse number 20, he says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And I think uh, you and I are in agreement on this one, that this is the largest missing piece in the Great Commission. It's the largest missing piece in churches. It's the largest missing piece in pretty much every organization that's trying to get the gospel around the world. We're actually pretty good at the whole uh, uh, witnessing thing, I think, especially here in the United States. We've got all of these different, um, you know, with Saturday visitation, witnessing programs. Uh, We really try to emphasize to people that, um, you know, we really try to emphasize to people that, that they ought to be sharing the gospel. Uh, every Christian's responsibility is to share the gospel to other people. And that's true. Uh, but I think we could do a much better job of teaching people that it is also their obligation that they're not fulfilling the great commission just by witnessing, uh, the great commission here clearly instructs us not to stop at witnessing, but to teach them to observe. And it doesn't say some things. It says to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Uh, And so the responsibility begins with what has God taught you, right? Because you can't teach something you've not been taught. Can you elaborate on that for a minute? Certainly. uh, That word all is is an impressive word in this this situation because uh, I'm responsible and you're responsible according to the Great Commission here. And according to what Jesus is saying, is that we're to teach them everything that He has taught us. And I don't, I don't know how to do that unless I have an intentional plan to do that. Uh, that right. all is is quite impressive. Uh, going back to your point on the point that in the Great Commission here in Matthew, where He's talking about teaching all nations, in Mark chapter sixteen and verse fifteen, He says this: "And go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature." So He clarifies for us in Mark sixteen exactly what it is that we're to teach first, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. And then we are to baptize them, and then this responsibility of teaching them to observe. Uh, to do all that I've commanded you to do, well, that that is an impressive. If we stop and think about that, and I'd encourage you at some point to uh, just meditate on that and let the Holy Spirit kind of drive that and the responsibility that every believer has here to take the things that God has taught them and then share that with another believer that they that they had the privilege of leading to Him. When you lead somebody to Christ. It's your responsibility to instruct them to be baptized, and then it's your responsibility to show them everything that God has taught you. But we want to do it in a way that they observe it, and so it needs to be intentional. There needs to be some. Uh, there needs to be a plan to do that. Otherwise, it's going to be uh, pretty helter skelter, just kind of all over the place, and uh, there's not going to be uh, a way for them to grow intentionally we kind of think of uh, spiritual growth and the, and the scripture identifies for us that it compares to, to physical growth and so if you have a babe in Christ 
you're not going to want to give them instructions on how to do algebra or geometry or you know give them a, a big history lesson you're going to start with some really basic things and so spiritually right. when we have a babe in christ we don't need to give them some of the, the the more mature commands but we do need to help them understand the basic commands and then systematically and intentionally move forward uh, with teaching them uh, how they can follow Christ as we are following Christ. Right. And, um, you know, like that that illustration just brought something to mind. I've got a couple of babies now. I've got three. And uh, my, my newest is two and a half months old uh, at the time of the recording here. And if I were to take that two and a half month old baby and um, and lay her on the table, the kitchen table, and then my wife and I go on a two and a half week vacation um, and just leave her there on the table. First off, we'd go to prison. Uh, but second <laughs> off, uh, that that infant would likely not survive. And the reason that infant would not survive is because she is not prepared and she is not capable of taking care of herself. She can't feed herself. She can't change herself. She can't, uh, you know, she can't change her clothes and she can't do the, the basic things. You know, we, we've talked about needs before. The two of us have talked about needs before. Perhaps we'll bring that up later. Uh, but the scripture talks about two basic needs that every single person has and that is clothing and that is food right and um so those two things are taught every time that the bible says needs it's referring to those two things um but so the the baby the two and a half month old has no way to take care of its own raiment or clothing and has no way to take care of its own feeding process has no way to eat has no way to to clothe itself so that infant most likely would not survive sitting on the table for two and a half weeks um it'd be a miracle if she did but that is exactly what we tend to do isn't it Uh, we have these newborn christians who we've given the gospel to and we've introduced them into the family of god and then so often unfortunately we as christians uh, we don't think far enough to think okay well now this newborn babe has nowhere to go and we tell them something like all right great you need to get plugged into church somewhere and they do need to get plugged into church somewhere and that'll help them and uh and that has helped many of them but perhaps part of the reason we have such a turnover rate in church where we see people saved and then they don't they just don't stick around they can't take it um we like to say that oh well they just weren't good ground and try to use that parable uh well perhaps it's not that they weren't good ground perhaps it's that we left the baby on the table and uh it's our responsibility especially as the one who did the witnessing who led them to christ who who in essence you know we we know that from scripture that we're not the one who gave birth to them and christ gave them spiritual life but in essence we're the ones that brought them the truth we're the ones that brought them into the world so to speak and we've left them on the table and uh that it's convicting to me because i know growing up uh, you know, I'd go door knocking because that was the thing to do. It was the right thing to do. And I'd go and I'd witness to people. And, um, you know, we'd, we'd go out two by twos and we try to do it the scriptural way. We'd give the gospel to people. Uh, but I have no idea where any of those people are who I was able mm-hmm. to, lead to lead to Christ. Uh, I don't know um, where they're at in their spiritual life or if they're even in church um, or really if they even got saved because, you know, make a profession of faith at the door doesn't necessarily mean they're saved. Maybe they just want to get off their door. But, uh, but we, we do, we do tend to leave the baby, uh, leave the baby on the table, so to speak. The, uh, definitely the, the, the difficulty is having that plan. And that's what we want to talk about, uh, and, and share so that we can help others 
to be able to have that plan because God's provided it for us. He's modeled it for us. Now it is our responsibility to model that for others and to just like uh, with uh, the children, uh, the Lord's blessed my wife and I with six children. So I have a little experience in, in parenting and uh, that has been invaluable also in helping me to understand how to help God's people grow and mature, but it also helping God's people grow and mature and understanding discipleship more has also helped me to be a better parent as well, to sure. understand that role even more uh, ef- uh, effectively and, and to be more intentional in my approach to parenting as well. So there, discipleship really, when we do it according to God's model, uh, really affects just about every aspect of our life. But then again, God's word is effective for all of our aspects of our uh, life and practice and what we believe and everything as well. So it shouldn't be surprising. Join us next week as we discuss discipleship as it is defined in scripture. If you'd like to reach out to us by email, you can reach us at generalorder4 at gmail.com. On Twitter, our handle is at General Order, the number four.